Welcome to the Not The Top 20 Christmas Party. You're all invited, League 2 fans, the lot of you. And uh, so are we. That's why in this episode we're going to be going through the League 2 table and predicting the final League table from 1 to 24. You'll remember us doing a similar thing in pre-season. Tweet us at NTT20pod, very happy to share how we thought it was going to go. Generally, for League 2... Uh, it's not been terrible predictions vis-a-vis the top of the league. Uh, mid to low, not so good. But what we're going to do is use the first 22-23 games of the season to redraw, give ourselves a second chance and see where we land. My name's Ali Maxwell, alongside me, George Ellick. We hope that you'll enjoy the League One and the championship offerings <coughs> of this very same podcast. And we hope that you're enjoying your Christmas festivities we're going to get going, and unfortunately, not very festive. We're going to start at the bottom in 24th place. The team that we think will get relegated to the National League. George, when we went through these, when we made our picks, when we hashed it out between ourselves, you said, I feel like we always pick this team to get relegated. Who is it? Yeah, it's Yeovil. And I feel, I feel bad saying it because I'm hoping that... Um, you know, friend of the podcast, Alex Fisher, Yeovil striker, isn't listening to this. And if he is, Alex, I'm, I'm very sorry. Um, but uh, from us looking in from the outside, it seems like a club that's slightly spiralling, if mm. I'm honest. Um, the decision to give the, the manager, Darren Way, a new contract um, was not well received by the fans. Hard to remember a worse reaction yeah. to, the, to a new contract for a manager. Exactly. They're, you know, they're winless in, in six games in all competitions, five in the league. Um, they're not scoring many goals. They're, they're pretty poor at the back. Um, it's, it's all pretty congested down there now that Macclesfield have picked up some points. Um, and it, it, it's hard to have much positive to say. I mean, all, all you can say is they've had a couple of performances this season um, that have been pretty spectacular. And if they can refine that form, then, then they should be okay. But um, they, they look pretty dire. That's the thing, isn't it? There'll be people listening to this, maybe not close followers of League Two, who will remember that we spoke to Alex Fisher as our team of the week after they beat Notts County, sorry, after they beat Newport 6-0 and after they beat Notts County 4-0, two eye-catching results at the start of the season, unbelievable performances, both of them away from home. And they'll wonder what on earth happened. Well, since that Newport result, just one win in an awful lot of games. That game was on the 15th of September, so just one league win since then. Both of those wins were away from home and... That, while impressive, still says something about the issue. Uh, the atmosphere is really bad around the club. And when the club gave a new contract to Darren Way, I think from outsiders, it, 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 it seemed fine. It seemed like that's, that's the man who's been managing you for the last few years. You've stayed in the league. That seems from the outside to be a perfectly acceptable ambition for a club that's been through the ringer, really, um, over the last five, six, seven years. But the fans consider it to be a real lack of ambition. And quite frankly, when you look at the results and the performances being put in over the last month or two, despite some injuries, uh, it's hard to argue with them. Now, we have been watching Yeovil quite closely since the reaction. Um, dwindling home attendances, poor performances. There's very little, I think, George, to suggest that they are, are doing anything but getting worse. And the important thing is, the current teams at the bottom, we think are going to get a bit better. 
Now, in 23rd, we've got one of those bottom teams at the moment in Notts County. This is a really, really interesting one. I still think, despite their poor start to the season, general <coughs> consensus, I think, is that Notts County are too big a club to go down. We've got them in 23rd. It doesn't exist there, does it? It's an easy trap to fall into. Um, the likes of, of Oxford United and Luton Town have been relegated in recent seasons. Uh, clubs of a similar size and stat- stature to Notts County. Um, the owner, um, whether you like him or not, um, is definitely ambitious and uh, wouldn't be a massive surprise to see him reach into his pocket in January to bring new signings in. I, th- I think that Neil Ardley is a fantastic appointment, um, although history suggests he's not going to get much time to implement his ideas um, and many more results like the 4-0 away defeat at, at Grimsby. Um, and not could much be... time to implement his ideas, maybe not necessarily the, the foundations to do so. No, well, that's it, but they, I mean, they had a right or go at it over the summer in terms of players brought in as well. So... But I mean, in terms of the data, they project comfortably the worst for XG ratio um, in the uh, in the league, uh, both over the course of the season and recently. Um, you know, they're not down there. They're not unlucky to be down there. Mm. They are just not very good at football. Essentially, this is where the January transfer window is an interesting talking point because in their current guise, Notts County are getting relegated. I don't think there's much question about that. Uh, they lost 4-0 yesterday against Grimsby, uh, a team that's also been down there this season. They're, they're a very, very poor team. What those who still think Notts County will stay up are saying is, we think the the correct requisite signings will be made in January, will slot into the team in good time, enough time, to sort out the huge issues at the back, specifically to turn their season around. And I think what we would say is, do not hang your hopes on January signings. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Especially given you know, the record that they've got in recent years in terms of recruitment. Mm. It's been a shambles. And it's not like in League Two, like maybe, well, to be fair, I'm, I'm talking rubbish. It's not like you can do it in the Championship either. But in League Two, depending on how much money you are willing to spend on wages... It's not like the pool of potential game changers is a deep one in January. You're looking at players who aren't available, or sorry, who aren't performing for other teams, players underperforming who teams are willing to let go, or you're trying to overspend and try and get someone truly impressive from a team who probably wouldn't want to lose that player anyway. So it's a fascinating month of January for Neil Ardley, for Notts County, for their owner, and it and it's hugely, hugely important. Uh, we don't think, given what we think about uh, lack of value available in January, how difficult it is that Notts County will stay up. And it's a big call. It feels like a big call. We've got them 23rd. We've got Macclesfield 22nd. Now, Another big call. I mean, this seems, seems crazy, doesn't it, really? Or does it? I mean, actually, the funny thing about Macclesfield is they're probably the most spoken about team in League Two over the last three, four weeks because of the appointment of Sol Campbell. Now, a lot of that talk in the media is focused on Sol, but we've been in a position where we've been asked about them a few times on EFL Matters, on the podcast. We've sort of almost tried to put Sol to one side and, and, and flag up the fact that, regardless of their new manager, this is a, a team, thanks to a signing of Nathan Cameron and a return from injury of Elliot Durrell, who, in terms of performance level, have been genuinely 
perfectly good. That's exactly right. And whether it's to do with Campbell or not, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's, it's fairly irrelevant. Um, the, the performances have been much, much better. They're starting to pick up results. I mean, the interesting thing was hearing Sol Campbell talk about the fitness of players and saying the one thing he was going to do is make them the fittest team in the league. That's what every manager says. <laughs> they don't. I mean, he, you know, but he, he points to I mean, he came in and he said straight away, um, I don't know what they were doing in pre-season. Uh, we're not fit enough. That is what every new manager says, though, isn't it? Uh, okay. Every manager comes in and goes, they're not, they're not fit enough. They weren't fit enough well, when they came in. I mean, maybe. I mean, a, a lot of Maxfield fans also saying that it kind of tallies with the amount of late goals they conceded in games this season. Yeah. Their inability to see out games as well. So, yeah. um, it, there's a lot to be positive about Macclesfield. Um, just, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they were destined for the drop. And, and I think, you know, we've got them in 22nd now, which is possibly a bit low in my book. So, um, positivity for, for, for Mac. It's, it's good to be able to speak in terms, positive terms about a team who is saying it's going to come 22nd. Well, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. And it comes back to what we've spoken about throughout the championship edition of this podcast, the League One edition, is that for different teams, you come from different perspectives, uh, different expectations, and there's sort of different narrative around it. I find it fascinating and, and it's interesting. It's not something that we speak about before we start, is it? Which way we're going to fall, whether a team in 22nd we, we can be positive about, like we have been with Macclesfield, a team in 21st who we won't be positive about in crew, but who we're picking to finish above them. So it, it's, it is funny. Um, in terms of crew, yeah, it's it's hard to be too positive, isn't it? This is a team that it feels like another season where they're sort of, if I'm going to be honest about it, sleepwalking a little bit. Yeah, it's hard to really know what to say about crew beyond the fact that um, there's not much positive to say. That they're not a team that are playing very well at the moment. Um, they, I'm not a massive fan of uh, David Artell, the manager, either. I think that he's been in the, in the job long enough that now um, we would know if he was up to the task. And there is a danger because of their league position that, you know, as you mentioned, they're kind of sleepwalking into the danger zone. People aren't necessarily talking them about them as relegation candidates, but now that Maxfield are picking up the points, they have to be. I just find it absurd that there's a team in any league that has failed to score in 57% of their games this season. That's three quarters of their away games, 75% of their away games that they haven't scored in and 36% of their home games. It's, it's so far from being good enough, it's absurd. Now, despite those horrendous stats, their overall goal stats are still slightly skewed in their favour because they beat Morecambe 6-0 on opening day. This is a team who have scored 21 goals in 23 games. And if you take away the 6-0 win on opening day, this is a team that has scored 15 goals in 22 games, in their last 22 league games. It is so far from being good enough. It's a team with a very small smattering of talented young players, surrounded by not a huge amount else. The veteran players, the senior players in the team, I'm sure have their benefits and are probably quite important off the pitch, but are not contributing huge amounts on it. I think that this is a team we don't fancy at all, quite frankly, and I'm sure that's been quite clear over the last few minutes. It's a team that we think are going to fall further than they are now into 21st. I think the same, George, can probably be said for the team above them in 20th, which is where we've got Crawley Town. Yeah, um... It's been a difficult 
season for them. Losing Harry Kuehl, obviously not ideal. Um, replacing him with Mr. Chioffi, um, who had a decent start, but results and performances have massively tailed off. Um, I personally probably wouldn't be surprised if Harry Kuehl was their manager again fairly soon, um, because it's it's not working at the moment. Yeah, last four games, last eight games, the underlying performance data is horrendous. The results are not much better. They've lost six of their last seven. Funnily enough, their only win in that time, a 3-0 win at home to Crew, who we've just spoken about. In that time, they've lost 5-1 to Tranmere, 4-0 to MK Dons, 1-0 to Grimsby and Northampton, 2-0 to Macclesfield, and on the weekend, 3-2, they lost at home to Carlisle. They can't score away from home, just six goals scored all season in their 11 away games. It's uh, it, it's genuinely worrying, and, and through no fault of their own, they lost their manager uh, in the season. Harry yeah. Kuehl getting poached for Notts County. And, you know, there's, there's a part of me that wants to say that is a very tough thing to take. And yet, the appointment that they made... Left field, you've got to wonder who and why and where Gabriele Cioffa came from. And you have to wonder who and why and where decided it was the best move. It doesn't seem like it at the moment, put it that way. This is a team that's struggling. Uh, Luckily, in League Two, you can be terrible and stay up. That's what we think. My favourite line at the moment. Hard lead to get relegated from. There you go. You've got to be very poor. I like it. You've said that a few times. And I think if you're not expecting to hear that but I always am when you speak because I've heard you say it before it, you have to take a moment to work out what you mean nice hardly to get relegated from you sort of have to realise it's because there's oh right so you can be really bad and not right yeah. got it. you've got to try to be terrible kind of keeping on your toes yeah always always <laughs> mate uh, we've got Cheltenham in 19th um, Mike Duff's taken charge and, and they've improved you have to say it now. I mean, it took a while, but they're, they're on the upward trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, I had them down as, as pretty much relegation, um, not certainties, but, but likelies. Uh, whether or not Duff can maintain this form, I'm not sure, but they're, you know, they're, they're definitely uh, spiking. Yeah, it's been an improvement. Uh, the last eight weeks have been good. I think there are still plenty of question marks about where the goals come from necessarily. They had a few good games where they notched three, two, 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 but... Generally, I don't think this is necessarily a particularly strong League Two team. Uh, not surprising, given that they lost their great goalscorer Moisa uh, early on in the season before the start of. Where's he so, going to turn up at in January? It's a fascinating question. Uh, we said we would discuss it before the January transfer window, so we should probably discuss it now. Um, the, the suggestion is that he is available on loan. Now, I saw a suggestion there are three League Two teams in for him. It would be surprising if there was no one in League yeah. One, wouldn't I mean, it? I, I can. What about Oxford United? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they'd be interested. I mean, given the but the given the lack of strikers, but I think they need a target man. He's more of a goal scorer, but but he's quite gangly, isn't he? It's a bit harsh. <laughs> he's tall. I mean, he's tall, tall yeah. and thin. Yeah, you know, he is. That's what gangly is. Okay, okay. I, I don't mean that to be harsh. I don't know if Mo would appreciate you calling him gang- gangly. Well, but... probably not. I don't I mean, appreciate way, it when people call me stocky, mate. Either, I know what that in, I know what that suggests. Either way, he'll be a great signing for someone. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Uh, let's move on to 18th in League Two. It's Cambridge. Hard one to pick this because Colin Calderwood is their new manager. Cambridge are very much 22nd at the moment, hugely underachieving. And they've got a manager who hasn't managed 
for six, seven years, but who previously did quite well at this level. Um, you wanted to suggest that they were going to get a bit better. Cambridge? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that Calderwood's a really interesting appointment. Um, he is someone who has done very good work at this level before uh, at Northampton. He got a very good job in, in Forest and took them up as well. So I think if you'd have told Colin Calderwood that on the day he got promoted with Nottingham Forest that he wouldn't have a job for, after the burden, he wouldn't have a job for 10 years as a manager and would end up managing a league two, he'd have been pretty surprised. I think it's a bit of a coup. Just the fact that he's been, hasn't been number one for a while shouldn't um, cover the fact that he was a very good player, comes with a good pedigree and he's got a good coaching record behind him. Cambridge, for a lot of the early on in the season, were, you know, the, the data boys dream where they were projecting very well and not picking up the points. Um, I think the, the performances have dipped a bit, but they've definitely got the the ability and the players at their disposal to to get out of the uh, the mess they're in at the moment. We've got Morecambe above them in 17th. Um, I feel like we really like Morecambe. Um, there have been a few times on the betting show where we've tipped them to win games against teams in and around them. And they tend to do the business in those games. And, and then beating Cambridge 3-0 this weekend is another sort of nod in that direction. When they play relegation-threatened teams, Morecambe tend to win. Yeah. When they play anyone else, they get battered. Yeah, exactly. And Jim Bentley's an absolute specialist in surviving in League 2. And I don't see any reason why they won't do it again this year. It's quite remarkable. They've played all five of the teams below them currently. Yeovil, they beat. Cambridge, they beat. Macclesfield, they beat. Drew with Notts County and Drew away at Cheltenham. So a fantastic record. The only other points really they've picked up are away from home against uh, Forest Green, who they beat, Carlisle, who they beat, Grimsby, who they beat, Newport, who they drew with. So they're a fascinating team, Morecambe. They struggle so much uh, at times to, to, to stay in games. And yet, when they do so, they're invariably a threat to, to nick them. Um, we've got them in 17th. I think that reflects the fact that of all the teams in and around the bottom involved in a relegation battle, Morecambe are at least the most comfortable in in being in that situation, which seems almost like a a positive that's also a negative, but you can kind of see why. You know, they're used to it, they understand what it takes, and a lot of their players have been involved in these relegation battles for a few years now. Morecambe we've got in 17th. We got to a point, George, where we reached 16th, so where we've got Port Vale. And I think from 16th to about 12th, uh, we really didn't think there was much between these teams. When you get to the middle of League Two, it's difficult to, to truly find much difference between the, the mid-table teams. We've got Port Vale in 16th. Um, they're one of those teams, aren't they, Port Vale? You, you, you don't feel comfortable backing them to lose but you would certainly never back them to win I've done my money in the last couple of weeks uh, getting against them um, but I'm still not convinced that there's much to them um, I, I think Neil Aspin's a, a capable manager and he's proving it now um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him build something in the future uh, they just feel like a bit of a work in progress at the moment and um, and the yeah, mid-table mediocrity beckons yeah nothing necessarily wrong with that either after a fairly turbulent few years for Port Vale. Um, who's the manager? That, who's the foreign manager that took over and brought in like twenty new players and was gone in in a few months? Bruno um, Bruno Ribeiro. There you go. Very well remembered. I'd actually completely blanked out Bruno Ribeiro's spell in charge of Port Vale entirely from my mind. Uh, update on Bruno: He's actually managed two clubs since Port Vale, Salgueros for a two-month spell in April 2017 and, and now he 
manages a team called uh, Cova de Piedade, uh, which is a team in Portugal as well, very much one of the regional teams in the Liga Pro. Um, nice to check up on, on, on Bruno. Uh, Port Vale, 16th for us. And 15th, Carlisle. Off air, I said to you, we just don't, we just clearly don't get Carlisle. And I think it's all right to admit that every now and again. Uh, they're currently 10th. Uh, yesterday's win away at, at, at Crawley 3-2 was a good example of Carlisle being Carlisle. They beat Colchester 4-0 the week before, but they've lost at home this season to Yeovil, Morecambe, Grimsby, Stevenish, Tranmere and Forest Green. I mean, what are you meant to make of them? It's, it's, it's tough, really. Um, Essentially, Sheridan's doing Sheridan. a job. Yeah, exactly. Job. Um, they're another one whose expectations can't be much higher than what they're doing at the moment. Um, they have some players who when they play well can inspire a, a performance and a result like the 4-0 win at Swindon oh, Jamie Devitt lovely Devitt, yeah. player he's an absolute cracker mm. um, again keeping them in January is going to be difficult um, but yeah I'm surprised I've been surprised all season by the, the points they pick up um, they've won 6 away games which seems very impressive I know. Uh, overall 10 wins 10 defeats and just 3 draws so they're very much one of those teams hard to judge I think generally Still, and I'm sorry, uh, Cambridge uh, Carlisle fans, sorry. And I know that uh, Will, who, who's a big Carlisle fan who listens to the pod, uh, he's probably tearing his hair out of this. But I think we still believe that generally you're more of a 15th place team than a 10th place team. And yes, that's, that's where we've got you. Um, Fish in 14th. Yeah. Grimsby Town. Could be a bit low this as well. Yeah, it could be. But, I, but I think putting them much higher would be to overreact somewhat. I think they are currently, and you don't want to go overboard, but they're currently one of the best teams in League Two. Wow. Which is. <laughs> Hold on. Both halves of those sentences were in, were in direct opposition. There's no you said you don't want to go overboard, but they're currently one of the best teams would, in League Two. Going overboard would be two. saying that they're the best team, probably. I mean, they are, right. they are one of the best teams in League Two at the moment. They're scoring goals for how, fun. How, long, how far does one of the best stretch to? Three? Four? Yeah. Four. Okay. Yeah. Right. You're not having it? Well, that means they're better than one of Lincoln, MK Dons, Berry, or Mansfield. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Amazing. It is very positive. Yeah, it's... it's Michael yeah. Jolly doing a good Michael job. Michael Jolly's doing a great job there. Um, the, they're not necessarily in a hot streak. The, the data, the, the numbers behind the performances tally um, to show that they are deserving of their uh, good form, which is so different to the beginning of the season where they just weren't really registering anything going forward. Um, Wes Thomas scoring goals for fun Elliot Embleton providing a spark in the, mm. in the midfield managed to tighten um, up at the back as well which is massive uh, uh, yeah, first they, part of the season just defensive errors is it's what springs to mind and they seem to have ironed out those which is uh, important and they've had a you know a tricky time of it since Paul Hurst left um, since they returned to the to the EFL um, you know Russell Slade was a horrendous appointment um, as was uh, a Big Knot as well um, mm. did not enjoy his time there whatsoever so to have jo- to brought in Jolly was a brave decision from from uh, the very owner. brave. Don't remember that. Don't forget rather. Not don't remember. <laughs> don't forget that at that point, very much threatened with re- relegation. Yeah. Grimsby. If the form had continued, they probably would have been relegated from League Two. To bring in Michael Jolly at that point um, was was hugely ballsy. It was, of course. You know the, the games that they won under him back in the last season were tight games that yeah. they won with penalties and it, and it all was it was fortunate to be quite honest with you and I feel like they stayed up almost in spite of 
the decisions that the board made. But actually, Jolly was the right man to give a bit of time to. Uh, and he seems to be implementing his ideas. It's a very young team. Uh, and there's a huge positivity around the club, which is great to see. The home crowd uh, in the most recent home game was, was very impressive, was notably bigger um, than we'd seen to start the season. And it's, and it's a big club as well. So it's great to see them... Uh, back on the upward curve and just fingers crossed they can maintain it and it's great to see a manager who you know was was getting a lot of stick a couple of months ago the owners have invested their time and money in him and he's now paying dividends sure have uh, Stevenage in 13th this is a bit of a drop isn't it uh, they're another team Stevenage who in individual fixtures this season notably against some of the better teams in the league have been very very impressive of course they beat MK Dons they beat Colchester um but ultimately, I think, especially away from home, this Stevenage side have struggled to find wins. Um, they're another team who have won nine, lost nine, drawn five. So using that, I'm looking at a, a mid-table team. That's where we have them. Um, I think the change in philosophy under Dino Mamria um, has helped them to become a team that is better at winning close games. And I think that's a positive thing. They moved away slightly from uh, from the, the youngsters that were playing under Darren Sahl and, and that, of course, had its merits and some of those players would have done well with that game time. But ultimately, a lot of them weren't developing as, as quickly as the club might have expected um, and they've moved to a style under Mamria which is much more combative. I always compare him to like a sergeant in the army and this team, unbelievably well-drilled, unbelievably intense. Uh, one of those teams you'd play against and have a terrible 90 minutes, even if you win comfortably, not enjoy it at all as the opposition. And there's a lot to be said for that. Um, I think that for us, they're a mid-table team at the moment, uh, but be interesting to see what they do next year because some of the signings they made in the summer, experienced players contributing well, uh, have been very good. Uh, Stevenage, our 13th place team, which leads us on to Swindon, George in 12th. Couple of nil nils in recent games after a, a good start for Richie Wellen. So I think you'd say a positive start for him, uh, but he hasn't transformed them overnight into anything that's going to threaten the playoffs. No, um, and by all accounts, the nil nil draw with Cheltenham was a horrific game, and it's a bit of a surprise given that Wellen's his Oldham team, whilst they didn't pick up many points, um, they did play a style of football that was easy on the eye. And scored a fair few goals. So I was, I'm surprised to see this Swindon team, especially after the start that he made, um, suddenly dipping as they are. Yeah, still very early on, isn't it? I yeah, mean, exactly. Yeah. Let's, not, let's not worry too much about Swindon. They're 13th at the moment. Uh, we've got them 12th. I think that's a fair reflection of a team that is currently mid-table, that we think will be mid-table at the end. And, and one of the reasons that we think that is because actually once you hit 11th, these are now 11 teams that, that we consider to be pretty good uh, all of them with a shot in League 2 and just as I said that the, the, the mid-table in League 2 is very bunched uh, from Port Vale in 16th Carlisle Grimsby Stevenage Swindon I think we've all got them fairly close together I think there's a little leap up George to 11th in Tranmere uh, a team who when we come back to, to perceptions and narratives and expectations I'm almost disappointed with because uh, the last few weeks have been hugely disappointing. But you must remember that they're a, you know, a newly promoted side finding their feet back in League 2. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't think their FA Cup runs help massively either. A couple of replays as well. Uh, not ideal. Um, we said a few weeks ago that we thought they were going to be 
uh, one of the teams who could challenge that third spot. So this is a significant drop-off. But yeah. as you mentioned, there was a, relied on, a reliance on Norwood's goals. Um, and as soon as they dried up, it was always going to be difficult for them to maintain a level of form. Um, and I mean, it was that Grimsby result was the big one. Losing 5-2 away from home. I think that really knocked them. And they've struggled to really turn around since. I think Tramir might have the weirdest stat in the league. They've played 11 home games, Tranmere, and they've conceded four goals in 11 home games. They've played 12 away games and conceded 26 goals. It's unbelievable. There's a difference of 22 goals between how many they've conceded at home and how many they've conceded away. I'm really interested at the moment in working out these teams that have such big differences between home form and away form. Think of Wigan in the Championship. Tramia are another one. They were so good at home and, and a bit worse away. And you sort of thought, if they could sort that away form out, they'll be top, you know, they could be third. They could be third, fourth, fifth. Actually, the home form's taken a bit of a dip, a small dip, and now you're a bit worried about them even making the playoffs. It's a, it's a, it's, it is a fascinating one. It's an interesting one. We've got Tramia in 11th. We've got Newport above them in 10th. Another team that, for the outsider, it's hard to put your finger on Newport because... Throughout the season, they've been up there. They're still there or thereabouts. And yet it, it, it can be hard to, I think, be truly convinced by them. Yeah, and finishing 10th would be a fantastic achievement from, from uh, Mike Flynn, the manager, uh, and the club. I mean, they're punching well above their weight. They've had a brilliant start to the season. Um, the form has, has, has dipped. They've lost their last two league games. Um, and, uh, and it's tough to see them, given the, the, the quality of the squad's um, of the likes of Lincoln and MK Dons, it's hard to see them pushing on and going for promotion. But at the same time, I mean, a tenth place finish, given their budget um, and the size of the club, would be would be huge. They've always been one of those teams under Mike Flynn that, in a, in tight games, in genuinely even games, you'd back to win those games. Uh, you'd back to be the type of team, and whether that's a an intangible, a character thing, or or a setup thing, or the fact that they have that extra edge on set pieces and often through long throws and, and clever corner routines have managed to nick wins. And that ability to win those tight games seems to have diminished ever so slightly over the last few months. Uh, they've only won, I think it's two of their last nine league games, um, two draws uh, and, and four or five defeats in there. So just seem to have dropped off a little bit. No shame in that at all. But for that reason... You know, in, in reality, they have just dropped out of the playoffs. They're in eighth now. We've got them dropping a tiny bit further to tenth. We've got Exeter above them in ninth, George. Not not necessarily a huge amount between these two teams, would that no. be fair to say? No. Um, I reckon Exeter fans will probably feel a bit hard done by. Um, a massive, massive win for them yesterday away at Oldham, coming back from, from 1-0 down, 2-1 down, and coming back to win 3-2, um, which was two wins on the bounce after a tricky run. Mm. However, um, they, they don't project very well in, in the data, um, I'm not convinced that they are one of the top five or six teams in the league. Um, Jaden Stockley's another player who's, I mean, I'll, I'll be surprised if he's still at the club in, in February. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's someone who's been linked to a lot of clubs in the last couple of weeks. Mm. Um, no smoke without fire and all that. And, and Exeter probably wouldn't be able to resist um, a, a decent bid for him. And it's a good time to capitalise on him as well. Um, so, and without him, I think they would struggle. They had a desperately tough run of fixtures, Exeter, just at the time where they lost Hiram Boateng, their most creative central midfield player, that sort of player that gives you a little bit of something extra, a little bit of something special. 
uh, and that led to a very, very difficult run in which they dropped out the playoffs, but two good wins. They're back in. I think, on balance, we have them just outside. That's why we've got them in ninth. There's a few teams in the playoffs that we're expecting a bit more from uh, than Exeter. We've got Northampton in eighth place, George. Now, these are maybe the big sort of winners from this because Northampton, of course, had such a difficult start to the season, made the managerial change, got Keith Curl in. Since then, they've been around the fifth, sixth, seventh best team in the league. Uh, currently 14th, eight places off the playoffs. We've got them just falling short, but it's a, it's a, it's a nod really to the work Keith Curl's doing and the fact we expect them to, continu- con- to continue to be around the fifth, sixth best team in the league. Yeah, exactly. But not quite making. And Curl's doing a fantastic job there. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them uh, make their way into the playoffs. Um, even before Curl came in, they were a team who, who looked like they weren't getting the results they deserved. Um, so, yeah, as I say, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they could muscle their way into the playoffs. Um, I think they'll definitely be in the picture. Yeah, of course, uh, a, a final predicted finish of eighth for us means, of course, they're in the picture and they could go very close. In fact, between them and our seventh place team, Oldham, George, it's one of those ones where in the in the recording you start to question yourself. This is one of the big ones. Northampton and Exeter just outside and Oldham who we've got in seventh. So just calm me down there, allay my fears. Oldham the right pick for seventh making yeah, the playoffs. Definitely. Um we tip them for relegation, so uh, good for us. But um <laughs> that was me. Uh they um I think that the one really big result for Oldham was the was the win over Berry, the four two win. Um Berry coming to Oldham um full of confidence and picking up points regularly in a in a derby game as well. Um, and they put four past them and deserve to win the game. Um, they're a team who've who've managed the their relegation very well. Um, we were a bit worried about their recruitment in the summer, but it, it looks to have been okay. And, um, you know, we talk about teams going under the radar. I feel like they are the team at the moment who are kind of quietly doing some pretty good things. I mean, the, the loss against Exeter was a blow, um, but they've had a really good couple of weeks. Yeah, before that, it seemed like they'd tightened up a little bit. Uh, they did concede two to Bury, but m- most teams will. Um, conceding three at home to Exeter is a worry. We'll put it down to Jaden Stockley being so exceptional. Before that, they'd been on a good run defensively. Uh, and away from home, they've proven to be really, really tough to play against. Only conceding seven goals in their away games so far. Hugely impressive out of 12 away games. Uh, Oldham, we've got sneaking into the playoffs. They're 11th currently, so that would represent a good rise up the table for them. Uh, Forest Green in sixth, regular listeners to the podcast won't be surprised necessarily. Um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster for us and Forest Green, hasn't it? Yeah. Highs and lows. Yeah, right, exactly. They're seventh currently, they're in the playoffs and uh, they've got a few wins under their belt recently. And and I think January is huge for them as well. Uh, we saw it last season, um, the owners are ambitious enough. They will definitely be looking to bring a striker in. Should have some Deutsch money to spend. Should have some Deutsch money. Um because that will be made permanent on January the 1st, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, so they should, and they've had six months or five months to, to work out who to replace him. Yeah. Um, and all they need is a finisher. And uh, and that person's going to score a lot of goals because they create yeah. a lot of chances. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm positive for their second half of the season. Moisa just fits the bill so perfectly. Ooh. If he's not... Charlton fans wouldn't be happy though, would they? Well... I'm, I'm afraid I don't care um, <laughs> they've got the money to spend if they could tempt Bristol City with a loan fee that other fees uh, that other clubs wouldn't be able to spend of course from Cheltenham to Bristol City wasn't a, a big move geographically for Issa he might have even stuck around similar area well Forest Green of course not much 
further away either. So uh, it, it all seems to work too well, which uh, leads me to think it probably won't happen. But should Issa join Forest Green, just to warn the listeners, we're going to get pretty excited, yeah. I think it's fair to say, um, about Forest Green Rovers. We've got Colchester above them in fifth. I feel bad about this one. Colchester are third at the moment. They're off the back of a win away at MK Dons. Huge win as well. They've won six games out of their last 10, 1-0, all of them. And they've occupied that third spot. We're 23 games in. They've occupied that third spot the majority of the season. And we're saying they're not going to get automatically promoted. It's more about, I think, to be fair, the teams above them. Or the, the, rather, the teams we think will finish above them. Yeah, we've said on these podcasts quite a lot that they're, you know, League One isn't great, the Championship isn't great, the League Two is quality, and there are a lot of really good teams at the top end of League Two. Teams who I think would seamlessly uh, fit into League One. Um, I have no doubt that you know the five teams we're talking about now um, would probably survive in League One. Mm. Colchester probably being the one I'm most worried about. Um, so I think in, in a normal season. Uh, they would be higher than this. That win against MK Dons is huge. Mm. Um, a massive confidence boost. So, um, uh, yeah, in my head, actually probably including Forest Green, there's there's quite an, a, a clear top six in terms of quality. Yeah. The problem, I suppose, with Colchester, not a problem, but the worry is when you look at the two teams breathing down their neck, who we have finishing above them, those teams are plundering the goals. And those teams are almost relentlessly winning and drawing games. And it's not that Colchester have been on a bad run by any means, but it's that the manner of their wins has been incredibly narrow. Now, that is a, a positive. Of course it is. It's a, it's, it shows great character. It shows exceptional defensive concentration and ability to win six games out of your last 10, 1-0. But I think in terms of trends, in terms of trying to extrapolate this over another 23 games, you'd lean towards the teams who are plundering the goals, the teams who are who are dominating games. And that's where we get to, George, when we get to fourth. Um, big, big decision to be made between fourth and third. It's no secret who the top two are going to be, and that was a decision in itself to decide who the champions are. But we're on the third automatic spot. For fourth, we've got Mansfield. You have to frame this discussion as Mansfield against Berry. Yeah. And you cannot pretend that it was an easy decision or an easy choice to make. <laughs> it wasn't, no. Um, I just think that Berry, I mean, both teams are quite similar in terms of the, the, the attacking uh, players they have at their disposal. Um, with Mansfield, obviously Tyler Walker um, makes the headlines, but CJ Hamilton's a player that we both oh, like a lot. Baller. Um, and with Berry, you know, May is the one who, again, takes the headlines, but they've got quality throughout that team. And it was a team that's built last summer for, for a League One charge and it's, so it's no surprise to see certain players now performing very well in League Two um, the only reason I've or I think that Berry will finish above them is just that uh, Mansfield have drawn too many games mm. they've drawn 11 games this season they've, lo- they've lost just one but um, and that was an early season thing but, I we're, think. but we're also but we're also now seeing Berry like dispatch teams yeah um, in a certain way that makes me think that they will um, progress further but I mean they're two great teams uh, no doubt about it it's going to be heartbreak for whoever misses out because once you miss out on third and you enter into the playoff fiasco of course whoever comes fourth will be favourites and we think just that step above the teams elsewhere in the playoffs but of course uh, you, you can never be too sure can you I'm, I'm going to stop short of calling it a lottery because it's not 
but you can't be too sure. Um, I think just with Mansfield, I don't know. I, I, I love Berry. I think they're excellent. Their home form is absurd. The, the, the joint best in the division. They do need to improve on their away form slightly. Mansfield, on the other hand, they've only lost one game in their in their twenty in their twenty one games this season. They've got games in hand. They've got the attacking players. They've only conceded fifteen from twenty one. It seems absurd not to have them in the automatics, uh, and yet we have always expressed certain doubts over David Flickcroft as the man to take them truly to the top level of League Two. So. I suppose at this stage we still need to, to stick to the guns in that sense. Berry third for us. Mansfield, fourth. Not an easy decision, but a big one. Uh, top two. Weird one, this. We are opposed on the top two, as we were in pre-season, but we've swapped. But the other way around. Yeah. You, you won this time. You've got Lincoln winning League Two. And that's your decision. This is basically totally t- data-driven um, in my book, where right. MK Dons, um, despite starting well, are now kind of mid-table in terms of XG ratio. Um, and therefore the loss at home to Colchester is a bit of an alarm bell, showing that maybe they are regressing a little bit in terms of performances. Um, Lincoln have come through a bit of a wobble and are now back winning games um, and given their success over the last two or three years under Danny Cowley, there's absolutely no reason to think that there'll be any um, stuttering or tripping up from them. Um, uh, they're two great teams. I, I don't think MK Dons are going to fall away too much. Um, but given they've already got a kind of a four-point cushion, Lincoln, um, I think Lincoln are the likely winners. To be fair, you are more convincing in your argument, and I'm, <laughs> I'm man enough to admit that. Um, I love MK Dons. I really like Paul Tisdale. I really like the system that they play. I think that the formation itself, which seems like a weird thing to say, takes them up uh, in my estimations. I think it's a formation that when they play it well, um, other teams at this level simply can't handle. Now the personnel within that formation is obviously very, very strong as well. They've got some excellent players. And when everyone's fit, we've seen them just absolutely blow teams away. Um, they've lost two of their last four against Stevenage and Colchester. That's why Lincoln have been able to regain that lead four points at the top. And those four points are significant. There's, there's a lot of football still to be played. 23 games, of course. Four points in any part of the table is not insurmountable. But when you're talking about two teams that we consider to be truly, truly good, I'd almost go as far to say special teams at this level, four points is quite a big gap because, in theory, Lincoln won't drop that many. MK Dons won't drop that many. Um, it's, a, it's, a brilliant, it's just brilliant to have both of them spurring each other on. Um, shall we say Accrington and Luton gave it to us last year it was a slightly different battle in that sense and I hope we get a similar thing this year a similar competitiveness uh, with the Cowleys involved and Tisdale in his own you know very friendly way I think quite a quite a competitive man as well so uh, it's all set up to be a wonderful second half of this season um, you called League Two fantastic about five minutes ago and I thought that was really nice hopefully thanks mate Hopefully the listeners have enjoyed this breakdown of, uh, of the League 2 table. 1-24 to 24 in reverse order, the final league positions as we predict. Hopefully this has been a nice accompaniment and a nice Christmas pod for you guys. We really appreciate all your support throughout the year um, and before. And we, we just hope that 
we're continuing to entertain you, continuing to to give you the good stuff where it comes to the EFL. Um, thank you for sticking with us and have a fantastic Christmas.